The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. And thanks so much for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles, your host or hostess. And I am so, so excited to have on the show today, Keith Casey. He is the president of Motive Infrastructure Solutions. I've been waiting for a long time to have you on the show, Keith, and I just can't wait to get this conversation started. So welcome. Thank you. And thank you so much, Carrie, for having me. Yes, absolutely. So let's get started. And Keith, I want to hear about your, you know, your path, your path to where you are today. You know, I thought a lot about this, you know, that, you know, everybody asks you kind of where you came from and what you do. And, you know, I always go back to my military career, but, you know, it really starts with my parents, you know, when I, uh, you think about growing up, I was the oldest of four siblings and my parents wired us pretty tight. You know, I grew up in Oregon two and a half acres and you know the house was about an acre on there but the other two and the other acre and a half was a garden and an orchard that I got well known to uh as a child uh you know a lot of blood sweat and tears in there and so you know I just go back to you know the upbringing and really how I was wired as a child you know I took that into my own entrepreneurship you know both my parents were executives and very successful and just really taught us kids to do the same. And so through, um, you know, after coming up with, you know, it was mandatory to have a sport and it was mandatory to have an extracurricular like band. So I played baseball and I was a wrestler, did that into high school, but I was a trumpet player in the band. And really through my growing up, man, that trumpet just got me out of a lot of trouble. (laughs) Just say the least. So I loved sending all my frustration out the trumpet. You know, it was just something that I was able to let loose. But, you know, in my house, it was just a happy house. You know, it just was, my parents taught us to be nice and to be kind. And we grew up that way. And really, when I think about it, you know, if my parents ever had an argument, we never knew about it. It just wasn't part of our house. And so I've been wired that way all the way up. And I came out of high school and I joined the army. I thought, man, I need a, I need a career path. I need something that's really going to take me to the next step. You know, with four kids, my parents relied on us to go out and get our own education after high school. And so part of it was, well, this was an easy way for me to get a GI bill and for someone to pay for my education. So I joined the army in 1988. I joined as a unit level communications maintainer. And really that was, I carried the heaviest rucksack on the team. I I had all the batteries, all the ammo, all the radios. I was usually somewhere around the command and staff because that's who needed the communications first in uh, first in last out, as they always say in the military. So, you know, starting up in that signal core, I was always communications. I just never strayed from that path. About halfway through my military career, which was a total of 12 years, I decided to go into special operations. I ended up in Germany. I was in Panzer Concern, which was 10th Special Forces Command, 
And I was the only person on the base that literally was not a Green Beret. So these guys kind of took me under their wing. You know, at, at that time of my career, you had to have a, uh, you had, there's certain requirements. You had to be promotable to E5 to sergeant. You had to have a colonel or above signature to get in, you know, all these requirements. And, you know, I proved myself through that, ended up going to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and spent the rest of my career there under special operations and airborne in the signal side of the house. So it was still communications, secondary was weapons. And so I just, I really had all this upbringing, you know, going through 12 years of military career. And if I think anything, and you, you say, you know, your upbringing, where you come from, here I am wired as a child to be an entrepreneur. Well, through my mentorship of 12 years in the military, I really had a different job about every two years. And I think that was the big thing that really grew my mind into, I don't just need to be in this box. You know, everybody wants you to be in, you know, I won't say everybody. There are certain cultures that want you to be in this little box and they don't want you to grow outside of it. Here, sit in this cube, do your thing. This is what we want you to do. This, we want you to be a number. I learned real quick through the military, you're not a number. You are definitely an asset and you're a growth asset. And the military, if for all those veterans that have been out there, it's 100% training. You know, you're never out of training. And that is really the culture that I've been up upbrought by is this training culture. And through that, I've built all these relationships along the way from leaders that I've had. And I've taken all the good and I've taken all the bad. And there's, of course, bad as much as there is good. And you flush the bad and you become the good. And you rewire yourself through time. And I still do today. I left the military in 2001 and I went off to the carrier world, the wireless carrier world, thinking, man, how are they going to keep me engaged after I've done all this military experience? And I've been jumping out of airplanes and I've been, you know, I've been in combat twice and, you know, I have this career of this excitement that's 24 by seven. How are they going to match that? Boy, I learned real quick (laughs) that (laughs) the... Telecom industry is no different than the military. It is ever-growing. It's ever-changing. There's always something new. A lot of the telecom industry are veterans, so we're all wired the same way. We don't sleep. We eat when we can. You know, these things never stop working, and the availability is 100% all the time. And so for us to be in this industry, we got to think about the customer doesn't stop using this 24-7, 365. Well, we got to be up and ready and wait and proactive enough to keep this operating all the time. And so what I learned real quick was they're going to keep me engaged. <laughs> the telecom <laughs> industry is going to keep me very engaged. And what I learned real quick when I came out of the military and into the culture of being a civilian is that you really had to had to show that you wanted more than just what was given to you. And you you were always looking for that next place to volunteer, to get on the bus and get to the next stop and take this industry to the next level. It really is an entrepreneur industry. You know, it is tech and tech is always growing. And so it, the excitement behind it, the culture behind it, what you could achieve and the growth behind it was almost like the army, you know, it was, they built this culture that allowed you and empowered you to become more and better than you were yesterday. And I think 
if there's anything that I can take from my past 30 years, and I call myself the 30 year part of the 30 year club, is over the past 30 years, I've really focused on what was the next level for not only myself to grow, but you can't do it without a team and a strong team around you. The smartest people in the room are the people I've hired. It's definitely not myself. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, and I'm not, I have really learned through time and, and this was in the military as well. Now the military, you got what you got. You ordered a 31 yes. Victor and they gave you a 31 Victor. It didn't right. matter what it, what it, and what it did when it showed up. Right. <laughs> so that had to take this 31 Victor that you were given right out of basic training and, and AIT, which was the advanced training. And you had to turn them into a working soldier, you know, someone that was going to take that, what they learned and, and move it forward in their career, but also grow into being you eventually. And so here I am, the sergeant, picking up the brand new private. Your whole mission was to make sure this person was promotable and grew within the organization and never left. The retainability was amazing in the military. I always thought, you got this volunteer army. By the way, I was making $684 a month when I joined in wow. 1988. Wow. And you have this volunteer army making that kind of a rate and they don't want to leave. Right. The churn rate in the military is about, I don't know what it is today, but when in the 90s and into the early 2000s, the churn rate was in the single digits. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can't find that in the industry today. So how can, you know, I've taken a lot of, you know, how take those attributes that you learned through the military that keep people engaged and empowered and growing in their career paths. And I take that to where I'm at today. And so as I've built up my teams, we've been extremely successful. And the success has come in the fact that they're all empowered. They all grow, you know, as they grow, they're rewarded, they're recognized and we continue to reward and recognize just as we would want to be. And I think anything, I mean, primarily as I keep going back to the military, I'm going to do that a couple times here, but you know, there is not a better place in the world to prove that recognition is important than the military. Mm -hmm. You stand in front of a platoon or a battalion or a brigade or a division sometimes and get an award on your chest for doing something that you did above and beyond. Well, then you go off into the civilian. I can't remember the last time that you go out into some of these companies. I'm not going to name the companies, but I've been in them where recognition is almost null. It's almost void. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. I think the most powerful tool in our toolbox as a leader is to be able to recognize people for the job that they've done, but also do it in a very public manner. And because people do want to. I can remember being a technician. And, you know, field tech and I got a bonus or I got an award or I got some little plaque. First thing I did was call mom. Yeah. I mean, I'm 32 years old, right? Not today. But then I was 32 (laughs) years old and I was sitting there, mom, you aren't going to believe this. The director of operations recognized me. And and by the way, they just promoted me. And I was so happy. And my mom was so proud, you know, and I put myself every day back in those shoes. Mm -hmm. I always think, you know. I'll never forget all the times that I received that award on the wall or that little plaque. And I was able to call mom and tell her how, how happy I was that I received this. And of course, being mom, 
She's proud. And so that's even the better recognition, right? But then when you move into a leadership role, you got to realize that now it's no longer about you, it's you about them. And now it's your turn to recognize them. And you aren't going to see those plaques on the wall as much anymore. And as a leader, that's not what you're working for. You're working to see those plaques go on their walls mm-hmm. and, and watch them grow. And there's nothing that excites me more yeah. than waking up in the morning and coming out to this job and seeing the human factor. And these people knowing, I mean, when, when I came on, there was 450 employees in MIS. There, we're probably closer to six, 700 employees now. Wow. And so in one year, I've been with the company one year, we've grown almost 200 employees uh, just in MIS alone. Wow. And, and that doesn't exclude reorganizing and redeveloping the executive staff and regionalizing and doing a lot of things that bring focus to an area, but also empower all those layers. I call it kind of layers of cake. Uh, you know, we got these layers of cake and there are certain levels of leadership and they're empowered inside their layer of cake. And if this layer up here is down in this layer, they're wrong. They need to get out of that layer of cake. They need to allow that manager to do their job. When I was at Cricket Communications in 2002, 2003, I was promoted into manager slot and I had three states and I was empowered with about a $20 million budget. I was a manager, frontline. You know, I had four warehouses. I had 40 to 50 trucks, 40 to 50 employees, and a $20 million budget. That was my approval limit within the company. And what was great about that was I had great leadership that empowered us to go out there and make it happen. And I think that's so important. And it doesn't mean that every company is a nationwide, you know, large, big box contender, but... At the end of the day, as you develop and grow the company, you need to take that into consideration. Small company moving into big company, right? Which is where Motive is. We are a big company today. We are almost a thousand employees total. Unbelievable. What? Tell me more about Motive. I want to hear yeah. everything. Who do you serve? Services? What makes you different? Everything. So Motive is a full turnkey EPC is what we call it in the industry. And that's engineering, procurement, and construct. And so as I'm on the carrier side, my almost my whole career, which gives me this advantage over here because this I used to hire the motives of the world to build the networks in the carrier side. And so I understand what the need is for the carrier and how the carrier can optimize what they do and how they can finish a job on time below budget, a lot of times, in in many cases, a much better overall customer experience. Not just customer experience, but the end-all job is at a much higher level of availability. It's ready to go on air, per se. And so we are a full turnkey end-to-end self-serve as well. And we don't, we have subbed in, as we go into a new market, we're driving into a new market, we, we build that market up, we'll start by subbing, but we are focused 100% on self-serve. And that is really our differentiator. We want to be the self-serve nationwide competitor in the business. Not only do we, and I call it engineering, procuring, construct, but we have an architect. And as we've grown, we've we've done a little bit of hybrid growth where we we grow organically, but we've also grown by acquisition. 
And so we acquired an architect company so we could cover 49 states out of 50. We almost got the 50th. We engineer nationwide. We have uh, about 70 to 80 employees sitting right here in, in Los Angeles that are all engineers. We procure, we procure sites. We do all the regulatory pre-design, joint pull authorization, consulting around that engineering function, site acquisitions, the leasing, the permitting, traffic control, where others will sub-traffic control out. We have our own traffic control. We do our own zoning. And then we go in and construct. And we do everything from wireline to wireless. And so we're underground all the way to the top of the tower. And our concentration list is all the tier ones. And so if you think tier one, that's your Verizons, AT&T, T-Mobile. We work with all the tower companies, Crown Castle, SBC. I'm sure I'm missing out a bunch of them. I don't have them all on the top of my head, but we have over 60 carriers and vendors that we work with on a daily basis. And so our, and as we go into underground, we're working with Google and some others that are coming. I can't say their names right now. They're huge deployments that are all national presence. And we're really, the growth is amazing. And to be honest, our hardest, biggest challenge right now is the human factor. It really is. That's the part that, you know, I think I have 100, I think I have just around 100 positions open today. But as we sign these new MSAs, we are going to need twice, sometimes three times that much in the next 24 to 48 months. And so as we look at the three to five year plan and our growth is outstanding. So do you have any special strategies that are working for you right now with hiring? As you said, I mean, your biggest challenge, and again, this is everyone's biggest challenge right now, right? It's the human factor and hiring and retention, right? And keeping the people, you know, so is there anything that's working for you currently in that area? Yeah. So last year we acquired a talent organization to really focus there, Two Roads, and they're now mobile or Motive uh, Workforce Solutions, NWS. And that has really helped us out. We've, we've got a primary focus on talent itself. And that was always just a gap in the past. You know, the, the managers out were doing their networking and trying their best on Indeed or, you know, wherever we could, LinkedIn to acquire good talent. But at the end of the day, we really needed a talent organization to focus on that. So we did acquire that talent organization. We use you. So thank you. You've brought us some great talent. We, I don't know what I'd do without folks like you that are out there helping us drive that and really bring in some good talent, good resumes to us. The other side of it is we're really focused on veterans programs as well. Me being a veteran, yes. <laughs> uh, focused on a company called Airstreams. Uh, we're building motive certified certification tracks within their training program. They go out, they train soldiers that are active duty that are close to their ETS date, their exit date. Wow. And by the time they exit, they're certified and ready to come on board. Wow. So, That's incredible, Keith. Yeah, that's been a real successful program. We're looking at Wounded Warriors, and we're looking at the TIRAP program, which is an apprenticeship program. Good. Good for you. That's a good one. Good. Yeah. The TIRAP program, Bobby McClung, he's part of our team, my VP of strategy. He's out there leading the way on TIRAP and, and ConnectX. You might have seen us out there. We were, we were really focused on getting a lot of attention around TIRAP and 
through WIA. So that's really been successful as well. And I think that's really going to take us to the next step. Bobby's out hitting different training universities, you know, the tech universities, and he's hitting up a lot of those to get them involved with TIRAP, get them on board, but then also get them on board with a motive certified track that's very focused on our needs and bringing those folks in um, from all over the United States. You know, we've got today 10 states, 32 markets and growing. You know, we put a dot on the map about every 90 days and we just launched uh, DFW. So we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, right out of Irving. We've yeah. got a warehouse there and office space that we've been working on. We just, we just got that ramped up. We're picking up a lot of tower work in that area. And so as we grow, we need this attention in these areas and really focused on the locale of where we're doing our business. And I think that's a lot of what we really want to focus on is as we go into these certification tracks, we go into these schools, and we're not just looking at a school, we're looking at schools across all the map in general, but across the areas that we really do most of our business. Hmm. So, you know, Keith, you're so people focused. And I know that you've said that so many times in this conversation. I just, I, I couldn't agree more with everything you've said, especially on the veteran side, because I'm a veteran myself. And, and I, I just, I get it. I get it how it translates to telecom so easily. And, and, you know, it's part of my success in, in leadership is also my history in the Marines. But, Tell me more about the motive culture. And yes, we staff for you and we've heard wonderful things about your culture and it makes it a lot easier to to find great people. But give me a peek into what that looks like in motive. So if I was to open that, that little door, you'd see problem solvers. You would see entrepreneurs. You would see talent out there that isn't willing to quit. They see a problem. They don't just throw their arms up in the air and get back in the truck and drive home. They call leadership if they need leadership. But a lot of times they don't need it. They've got the training and all the tools that they need right there to be able to solve the problem. Now, it doesn't mean that we haven't had all hands on deck all the way to Bob Istvan to get a problem solved. And that's why we're all here. And, you know, even the CEO and founder of the company. And so, you know, as we go, that's the culture. You know, it, Bob Iswan has created a small company environment, even though we're a large company today. And everyone knows they can call Bob. You know, they can call Keith. And nobody's afraid to walk through this door or Bob's door or Larry, who's the CFO and COO. And, you know, all these, everybody knows it's an open door policy and it's a friendly area to even complain once in a while. Constructive criticism. I'll call it that. It's a constructive criticize about whatever the decision may have been. And sometimes we might change direction. You know, we may have not done all our homework and we didn't get the field's point of view or we didn't get that manager's point of view out in Arizona. But then the best part of it, I think, is that they are results oriented. They know they're personable, they're collaborative, we all are, and we just get in a room and solve the problem, even if it's Bob and we have to take him out. I mean, there's Saturdays and Sundays that Bob and I are on the phone talking about it. And guess what? It's a three to five minute conversation. We're done and we're moving forward with a great solution that everybody's bought off on. And so I think that's, if there's anything that 
And I'll say it's it's the most amazing environment that I've been in since the military. And that's what I love about this company. And now I'm in a position in the company as president where I can make a decision today and we're acting on it in hours, if not tomorrow. And so it just, I would say part of that door as you open it, we're flexible and nimble. You know, we're able to move where other companies can't. You know, they would have to either sub out, make that emergency phone call. We don't have to. I'm putting a person in a truck tomorrow morning. We're going to go out there and solve that problem. Or they're already on site and we're solving the problem. And so I think, you know, that's the thing. We rarely outsource. When we do, it's because we have a need to get into the market fast. And it's for speed, not for anything else. It's more to get the job done ahead of time, not, not on time, ahead of time. I know from the carrier side, when I'm hiring a vendor like Motive. So the project, by the time it gets to the, the EPC, the construction side at least, by the time it gets to construction, they're already halfway through the project timeline, if not further. Now, the, the end date, the due date, or the on-air date is not going to change on the carrier side. So you get a much, you get a far less time to get the job complete by the time it's handed to us. And if you're not nimble, and if you're not flexible, and if you're not problem solvers, if you're not entrepreneurs, and if you're not doing all these things that we are expecting from this culture, we're never going to meet the date for those carriers. And by the way, we have the best scorecards in the industry. I can tell you that. I get it on phone calls all the time from all our tier ones. I was just on the phone with a tier one the other day talking about construction. They gave us top-notch accolades for engineering. So we're already doing engineering for them. Now we're trying to do that full EPC turnkey where we really can save them on efficiency, time, and even cost. Gosh, it sounds like a perfect fit, really. It really is. You know, when I came onto this company a year ago, it didn't take me long to know that I was sitting in the right family. And I call it a family because it truly is. They really wrap your arms around the employee. And we do a lot of events. I mean, we, I think we did eight to 10 events last year. We're probably on track to eight to 10 events. And I call them events, but they're ConnectX and the Wireless West and the Fiber Connect. And you, know, you go to those, the, the golf events, Arizona Wireless Association, California Wireless Association, Colorado, Nevada, <laughs> Texas, Southeast, South. I mean, there's so many, right? We attend all these. We put, we invest in all these. We have our own charity event, by the way. It's called Dream Street. We do it once a year. It's a great event. It goes uh-huh. to helping children. We also are in uh, music movement. We're part of that. I mean, there's just so much that we invest in as well. And I think that says a lot about the company and the culture. So, Keith, I want to hear more about you as a leader. Tell me about, you know, these, your core principles that guide you. And also, how do you develop the future leaders at Motive? Yeah, so again, you know, and I've talked about this a couple times in this podcast is that, you know, it kind of goes back to my wiring as a soldier. You know, it came down to empowering empowering at the lowest level, out to the ground troops, but really empowerment and development are really combined. When I think about being and becoming a leader, 
that I have gone through and the steps that I've gone through to be an effective leader. And I'll say effective <laughs> because there are days that you are not. <laughs> and right. you kind of go back to the mirror and go, okay, how could I have done that better? But how to be an effective leader, I really think starts with that empowerment. It's always been, at least for me, that empowering. And other, you know, through that comes a lot of mentorship. And as you empower, you delegate certain levels of responsibility to those folks. And you empower others through that mentorship and that delegation of complex tasks. And I, I really like to highlight the word complex because, you know, why give them something that they don't feel uncomfortable about doing? If you're going to grow somebody, at least for me, it's always I've grown faster and probably better when I was challenged with something that's completely uncomfortable. I go back. I was very stage fright child general you? no way <laughs> you know you can even ask my parents i i played the trumpet like i said earlier and i'll never forget getting up on stage my first time to play that solo in front of the entire school and oh my gosh i just you know sweating and the whole nine yards and you know through you know joining the military getting in front of people and really building up that confidence in myself all came from the leaders that I had around me that just said, you can do this. You've got this. And by the way, you're really good at it. And I think that that just, I disseminate that. And now that I am in the position I am in, I really focus more on how to empower others into those complex tasks that really do create a stronger team overall. And they then empower theirs and do the same. And it it's just a flow of, well-oiled machine, I would call it, once it works real well. With it, you help build future leaders and you can rely on them again with confidence. And I think that's really the heart of it. And, you know, I can go into vision and I can go into all the other leadership traits that are part of how I'm wired. But I think the next one really goes into communication. And Obviously, you can tell I like to communicate. I usually get on my soapbox now that I'm not so stage fright as I was when I was 16 years old getting on stage in front of a school. But, you know, I've built confidence over time that, you know, I can get in front of people and do this and come out all right. And so I think communications is probably the number two on my list is, you know, outside of empowerment and vision and making sure that vision is real clear. You know, if you go into a new position, nine times out of 10, if you listen to the staff, you do a SWAT. You know, everybody that's done a SWAT knows that you're looking for strengths and weaknesses in the company when you come in and or into a new position within that company. You tend to find out that Probably the biggest gap within the organization is a lack of vision with where you're going. People don't know where they're going. They don't know what the the next greatest thing is that's down the road. But that also goes into this lack of communication that tends to happen. And, and it's not always because it's on purpose. It's usually because it's we're so busy. It's hard to get everybody in a room, take them off the job that we're so focused on and really sit down and do a summit. This year, I started the summits at his ELT level executive leadership team, and that was 18 of us 
out at the Phoenician in Arizona. We sat around a table, there was 18 of us, and Bob Islan, our CEO, sat there and he goes, and he was the last one to speak at the at the end of the second day, which was the end of the summit. And he goes, this was amazing. I sat around this table and watched this for, and listened and engaged, and we were all engaging. We were all collaborating around this table. And he goes, but just a year ago, there was only four of us. Here's 18 now. And so you can see that growth and where we're going. But that communication is moving out. We're now starting the second mid-year summit. It's going to be the mid-year summit. It's the end of July. We're allowing and bringing in the next level of leaders that are going to take this company to the next level in the future, right? So it's it's this continuous progression and you, you're always focused on that progression. So when you have the summits, I'm just curious, because I think I love this idea. I'm going to have to adopt this as well. So are these this where you fly, you both summits, you fly people to a location yep. and how many days? I'm just curious about the we do a two to three day. It depends on where we're at. And, and you know, of course, we're all busy, so we try and fit it in as right. tight as possible. But we were able to complete a two-day session with a day of team building. And, you know, we do something fun for the team building, of course. But challenging as well, because we want to challenge each other. And, you know, I think the real focus is we go around the table. Everybody has a three- to five-slider, 20-minute presentation in their area of the business. We go through and really do strengths and weaknesses. What can we do better? How can we do better? But, you know, it's the one time that we get a chance to all be in the same room all at the same time away from any distractions. And I think that's the big piece to it is, you know, when you're at the office and we get together all the time, by the way, it's not just the summits. We get together all the time and in these meetings, but you've got the office right there and you do have distractions. Your laptops are there and your phones are there. When we go to these summits, we are offline. We completely disengage. We empower the next level down to uh, take the ship and run it while we're offline. It's really amazing what we accomplish in those two days. When you get everybody focused and you turn them off to everything and you bring them off site so they're away from all the distractions of life in general. It's really amazing what you can accomplish in two days with the right people in the room. Yes. Wow. I love that. So I want to look at your vision, right? From your perspective, let's look at the future. What are you creating with your team? What, where is motive going to be in the future? And then secondly, what does the future of broadband look like from your perspective? I mean, where are the opportunities that exist? It's amazing. You know, the floodgates are literally opening. Sorry, my phone's going off here. I had to silence it. The floodgates are literally opening. And, you know, there's more going on in the space of telecom today and infrastructure in general. We know there's an infrastructure bill out there. Everybody knows that our infrastructure is in need of an upgrade everywhere. It's, it's not just in telecommunications. But as you look at telecommunications in general and where wireless has been and where it's going, the need for IoT and distribution centers to have all the machine learning and AI and all the things it needs to really run these massive facilities that are in the manufacturing side of the house. It's the opportunity, I think, for 5G and beyond, and it's not just 5G, but it's the next Gs 
It's really building up those edge computes and building up the infrastructure around how do we support the future of all these devices that are changing overnight. And it's more of the need of the business owners like the large distribution centers that have multiple 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 IoT devices sitting on top of all these networks that are relying on low latency and the speeds and all the functionality and how do you monetize the data and take that data and turn it into, into actionable, needed analytics to run your business and run it efficiently, optimized. I mean, you know how needy we are as humans today. I mean, I don't know, but I don't know about anybody else, but I get about two packages a day from Amazon and it seems to grow. I, we spend more time away from those big box stores and I'm, you know, it's just the way of the future. And as you start to look at the way distribution is running and where that technology is needed to move and drive those businesses into their future, it, the door is wide open for us. The opportunities are wide open for us to be really in that private 5G technology space. And then the edge compute part, part of building that infrastructure. You know, the, the real focus since 4G into 5G has been building up the RAM side, the radio network. And if you think about the radio network, it's just that piece that's at the tower, up to the top of the tower. It's upgrading that part of the 5G network. The 5G network goes all the way back to the core, and that has not been the focus so far. And so the future, I really believe, for us and the vision for us is uh, taking that into the core and being the not just infrastructure of the tower side, not just the infrastructure of putting micro-trenching and fiber into the ground, but now driving that all the way back to the core. And so we are building a managed services division right now. We're building an integration division right now. We already have the A&E, we have the procurement, we have the construct, but now we're gonna get all the way to the point where we can do end-to-end from the core all the way out up to the top of the tower for any G and be able to be a full turnkey EPC, I, and service <laughs> type company all self-serve. And I really think that the vision here that's going to differentiate us from our competition is the fact that we are self-serve. We are not subbing this out. We build this up ourselves. I have a construction team that's over 500 employees now, and we're growing every day. We have over 100 positions open today within ourselves and growing that number every day. And as we grow into more and more of the infrastructure for these technologies of the future, I really believe that you know the vision is clear. We are going to be a differentiator. Motive is going to be a differentiator. We cover, you know, I, the other day I was talking to Larry, he's our CFO, COO. He always focuses on these, the five biggest growth areas of the industry. We're in three of the five motive is today. We're in the renewable energies, we're in the telecom, wireless 5G, and we are in AI. And so already we've got three of the biggest five. And that's what we do today. And it doesn't mean that we won't do them all <laughs> tomorrow. We think we can do it all. We try to stay focused. And I think we're doing a great job at staying focused. We really like to be the premier provider. We're, I call us the Green Berets of the telecom infrastructure industry. When the others have not been able to do it, we come in and save the day. And I really feel like we do. Yes, you do. And I will have to say that one thing about 
motive leaders and team members is there's so much passion. I mean, just hearing you talk, Keith, and have the passion that you have, I feel that when I talk to anyone on the motive team. Oh, so that's going to drive you. I, you know, and I, when we were at the summit, we actually talked about that. We looked around the field and we were like, wow, look at this A team we got. You know, how, <laughs> you know, and even Bobby's like really humble. He's like, wow, look at, you know, who is on this team and what the talent that we've created over, over the years. And I am so humble as well and proud to be part of this team. And I can't wait to see what we do uh, in the future. I think it's just the, the doors are wide open for us and the opportunities are wide open for us. We have all the right people to do the job, to do it right. We have the accolades from our customers. It's just a, it's a kind of a dream come true. Oh, that's an amazing ending for us. And, you know, Keith, I, I know you said you have over a hundred openings. So please tell us where can we find out about those job openings? Where can we find out more about Motive? So you can go to motiveis.com and go to our career page. We've got plenty of openings and we're always, you know, the other thing you can email me, K-K-C-K-C-A-S-E-Y at motiveis.com with your resume. I'd love, you know, to see great talent, continued great talent come in the door. We're always open to see great attitudes that want to go forward in their careers. You know, again, we're growing nationwide and we'll have spots all over the all over the nation. And today you can go on our website and see where we're located today, where office locations physically are, but we continue to grow. So keep your eyes open. You know, I love that. The president of Motive said, here's my email address. Send me your resume. That is someone who is committed to people. Keith, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a pleasure. And I thank you for your authenticity. And One last thing. I want to thank all the Motive employees that work so hard every day. Yes. They are all amazing. Everybody in this company, keep up the good work. You're doing great. Beautiful. I love it. Well, Keith, I will see you soon. And I know everything you said and your vision and the motive vision is going to happen. I believe it 100%. So thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you, Carrie. You've been great. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.